pies of excellence. The, <laughs> the doggerel verses of venture capitalism. Yes. <laughs> what are we going to talk about, though? Well. There are so many things, Diane. I've got things. You've got things? Yeah. Well, you got a big bowl of oatmeal there, too. Yeah. Yeah. You but know. we haven't even done... What do we... What do we... This is just all what? the... You haven't done the song or anything. What song? <laughs> what are you talking about? All I ever do is... It's 8.46 a.m. Saturday, February the 13th, 2021. I'm Bill. I'm Diane. It's the Bill and Diane Show. Is that the song? I'm being conducted here. Was that the song? Yes, it was the song. That's not, it's not the, really a song, Diane. It's the jingle. A, the, the jingle. jingle. Oh, or, the, yeah. Is that what it would be called, the, the jingle? The setup, the, the precursor to the, the magnificence that is <laughs> <coughs> the Bill and Diane show. The, the epic uh, adventures. Adventures pitting man against nature, Diane, is what we're dealing with here today. We've got six inches of snow, and it's still coming down. Yeah, I had to go rescue a neighbor who got yeah. stuck out on her balcony. Wow. So I had to put on my boots. Whoa. Go trudging yeah. through the snow across trudging the street. Through the, through the snow across the parking lot? Oh, my gosh. You're lucky to have survived. I know. I was thinking I would find you out there frozen to the heat pump. But I was so glad to have been able to yeah. rescue her. We were talking about it just right now. Before, we were just now? Yeah, before right now? the show. Right now. We were saying, man, it's really good to be in a place where you can call out to your neighbors and say, help! Help! <laughs> I've locked myself out on the deck! Oh. Help! I was surprised by how much snow has come into, the, into our entryway, you know? It's like the wind must have been swirling around out there and stuff. Well, our friend and neighbor was actually uh, just dusting off her heat pump, and that, right. and I thought, oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, so, so you dusted off our heat pump. Yeah. Thank you, Diane. Well, I I wouldn't have even thought about it if she hadn't. That's true. Had this situation. Yeah, situation. Yeah. The heat pump ain't keeping up. Well, but it's it's a whole lot warmer in here than if we didn't have one. That well, there know. is that to be said, Diane. Yes, indeed. Indeed it is. Yes. We're looking at a whopping 26 degrees outside. Wow. As we speak. Yeah. High today of 31. So we shall see what we shall see. But are we... Are, I mean, do we have enough provisions, Diane? Will we survive? Is there... I mean, how do we... Uh, I don't, don't do I have to don't I need to trudge somewhere to get something that we have to absolutely have? Don't I get to have some kind of an adventure? Man, you know what? It's times like these I wish I'd held onto my snow boots. I used to have these such nice snow boots because if I had my snow boots, then I could go out for a walk. You know, I got no good shoes for wearing in snow. I'm gonna order me up some snow boots. Damn it. Okay. I'm doing it. Okay. Don't try to stop me. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I shan't be. Uh, I will I was not be denied. When you said, "Isn't there something I should go out for?" I immediately <laughs> thought of Little House on the Prairie and how the father was always going out for a 
a sack of sugar, a sack of flour, and a sack of coffee, and a sack of beans, (laughs) and a side of bacon. Oh, yeah, you gotta have a side of bacon. (laughs) Gotta have that out in the smokehouse. If you're not smoking your own bacon. So go out there and get those Is that what I need to go get? I'm on it. Sling them over your shoulder. Okay. I got myself a cup of coffee here, and I'm going to take me a sip. I'll just wrap my feet up in newspapers. <laughs> old newspaper. Ah, yeah, ham and eggs. I'm put some gunny sacks around them, some old flower sacks, you know, from previous sacks. <laughs> wrap it in. And I'll be out there. That's what's going to happen. <sighs> Trudging forth. Well, it's been a hectic week here in Lake Amphetamine, as per usual. And, um, yeah. You've been sending out your books uh, to some folks. We're we're starting the... The the mass distribution. The mass, mass distribution. (laughs) The requests have been pouring in from all sectors. All sectors of the globe. Oh, that's right, Diane. (laughs) Yes. Oh, boy, my goodness. The demand is, uh, it's uh, staggering, staggering, Diane. But it is fun. It is fun. It's fun. It's fun. Of course, you know, once they get it, then they'll be like, oh. (laughs) Oh. Oh, this this is it? This? Well, the cover's nice. It is a book of poetry. (laughs) What do you know about that? Well, let's put it in the bathroom. (laughs) That's where things like that go. To die. It's all right, though. I don't mind that. I think a bathroom is a perfectly good place to keep a book of poetry. <laughs> I have continued to work on the the Victory Music Review article. Mm-hmm. One of the things that occurred to me as I was writing it last night, because I, I sent out a lot of different questions to different musicians that were on this album project that we put out in 1986 and as I was getting stories back from the people because I really was just asking a couple of questions that were specific to the musicians I was not asking all the same questions I was curious about certain things uh, for the musicians but as I was getting the the information back I mean the uh, I don't know that we already talked about this but the most interesting thing that made me think, oh man, there's a story there, was when we, when you and I talked to Jim Page right. about his participation, because then there were all these philosophical ideas about music and, you know, how you share your art and sort of the machinery of the industry. And, and I thought, whoa. <laughs> you thought, whoa? I thought, whoa. Oh. Mainly because I thought that's a, a topic that I've never really explored, but it's a lot of the reason why I was, why I was interested in victory music. Versus other avenues of of art, because of the the size and the intimacy and the fact that you could actually get to know the the people that you were. Um, watching in the audience i mean as an audience member uh-huh. that isn't the case if you go to some mega event really 
then it becomes more about a party and not so much about listening. So if I go to see Taylor Swift at, at Safeco Field, I'm not going to have an intimate encounter with Taylor? You'll probably have an intimate encounter with a screen. With a, with a big diamond vision type. Or thing. with your phone while you're watching. I mean, we right. don't have a phone, but you know. I think a lot of people just end up in this huge crowd just to say they were there, but I don't see that it's... Remember when people used to hold up big lighters, you know, and kind of light the thing? Now they hold up their cell phones. I know. I've seen that. That's so interesting. Yeah. yeah. It is strange. But the thing that occurred to me as I was, as I was uh, getting these very interesting stories back was that I had read that it's really good as an older person to write your memoirs in some way. Mm-hmm. And and I thought, that's what I'm kind of doing. I'm writing my memoirs, but my memoirs are collective memoirs. I don't really think of my experience as being outside of all these other people's experiences. And I really like that. Yeah, they all kind of dovetail. They dovetail that. And that, when I was talking, I was talking to Kat last night, we had a marvelous conversation too. And I was saying, you know, the more that I'm getting people's stories, then the more I'm thinking about how all of us are so networked with each other and we're all sharing our stories with each other and, and things come back to me that I didn't even realize about this album. I've never even thought about some of the topics that have come up. And the reason why I was saying it to Kat is because I, something that I never realized in 1986 when I, when we were actually putting this album out, that even though this, this song was credited to the Ferry Boat Musicians, Cat mm-hmm. was the only one who performed on it. Steve Gouda was not on it. He was the other half of the duo. And... Uh, the only other people who were performed with her were uh, a person who was playing the recorder and David Lang, the studio. Playing keyboards. Yeah, playing keyboards and synthesizer. But Steve wasn't even on it. And yet it was credited to the ferry boat musicians because that's what they were billed at at the time. Right. So that fascinated me because... I really saw the song that was on this album, China. I saw that song as Cat's uh, launching into this incredible solo songwriting that she started doing. Right. And so it made me feel like, wow, this album, it's not that it was the impetus for her to do the songwriting or to continue songwriting, but it was a marker in the, in the timeline of that. And that was really interesting to me. And so it's, it's just been spinning off all these stories. And as I was talking to Kat, I said, you know, it's really funny because I know that this is just interesting to the people who are involved in victory music in some way. And yet it is so fascinating to me how all these things happen and what people are thinking about in this group because it represents something larger to me than just our little 
collective of well yeah of the people. idea of the album was to extend our voices farther out into the world from our little insular uh, collective you know and uh, yeah that, that album is chock full of cool stories you know I'd love to be able to talk to Nestor and to T.R. Stewart and Marjorie Milner and all the different people about uh, what the song meant what how it came into being and you know because I mean what did Cat write China about? She wrote it about uh, a trip that you and Chris took that we that I, I want to say Chris and I took because it was Chris's idea to go to China and the reason why he was interested in going there was twofold. He he had had, uh, I think it was his grandparents who were from Denmark. They were ambassadors of some sort in China. So all of his house had little trinkets from that time that they were in China. Beautiful wooden screen that was a carved screen kind of mahogany wood gorgeous piece little trinkets of various sorts statues and various things and uh, so he had this great interest in china because of his ancestry that some of his ancestors had lived there for a time but during the period of time that this trip was planned it was the first year that they had really, or like maybe the first or second year that they even allowed tourists to come in and not just be on a tourist bus. Because before that time, because it was a communist country, if you went over there, you had to stay in, in a certain place. And we had gone to see a slideshow by this woman who had gone and and then chris was all we gotta go i really want to go to china that was the first trip that i had ever taken out of out of the country but it was also the first trip that i even took that was out of the west coast i had only just traveled up and down all the way up to canada all the way down to mexico but always on the west coast so i had never even left a time zone or you know and and the uh so chris was talking about it with friends and his friend tony maskell who's a blueberry farmer he was a kind of a world traveler and he was just intrigued and wanted to go and then connie decker who was a nurse um that used to come to victory music events still, uh, still does still does but um I'm, you know, just telling in the time frame. Uh, she's still deeply involved with victory music, um, ancient victories. She wanted to go, and she had also traveled quite a bit. And so I was like the baby of the group. I didn't know anything about traveling abroad. And so after this group got back from China, right. Kat came over they a lot of the musicians would come over to visit because we had this place out you know chris lives right on the shores of bonnie lake so it's beautiful place you could go swimming and 
So people often would be dropping by and staying overnight and hanging out with us, and which was quite a lovely experience. And so when we got back from China, we had a lot of slides that because Chris was really documenting our trip in a very specific way. I mean, he really wanted to be able to show people this place. So we took slides. He actually even bought a video recorder. And back then it was very expensive to do that. And we didn't have much in the way of luggage, but we were carrying around all this gear to uh, document the experience. So then when Kat was watching uh, some of the slides and and seeing the videos and hearing us talk about our trip, she she was kind of transported to this period of time where she had traveled into different places. And she said, you know, I, I never was unable to unlock the experience of what that was like for me as a you know, to unlock my own personal experience about traveling. But I actually thought when I was listening to Chris and sitting in this house that he had all these possessions that had come from China that had instigated the, the, even the idea of going to China. And, uh, it just really occurred to the, it just kind of came at that moment. What, that I could, through another person's experience, talk about my experience of traveling. And so uh, a lot of the references are about Chris. You know, here I've lived for most of my life. He's lived in... Um, the lakes, many faces. Yeah, well, and he hasn't lived by Bonnie Lake most of his life, but he's lived in this area most of his life. It, he... Uh, and he knows the lake's many faces. All that's familiar gathers around me and speaks in a million voices. All these things that he has had in his life forever, you know, it's inheritances from his parents. It's so it was, it was quite an amazing, um, reference. I mean, for me, when I listen to it, it is not at all, uh, <laughs> mysterious where it came from because i can identify everything that she's talking about and why she for me it's always been interesting that she kind of personalizes another person's experience in the song which i just felt like i always thought that was just such an interesting vantage point to have constructed a song well and that's why it's stories like that that made me think i would really like to concentrate on each of the, instead of just adding them to this already overly long article uh, that I'm working on, I really want to concentrate on some of these things that are occurring to me and because they just fascinate me. And when I was talking to Kat last night, I said, you know, it just, I'm so in love with the stories that I'm hearing through this. It's just so amazing to to know the stories of songs and know where they're coming from. I got a, an email yesterday from Baby Gramps. Now, Baby Gramps, I didn't know him well, but I did work with him a few times, especially because he did 
kids concerts and he is he's quite a character and um i mean he he makes himself into a character and nobody nobody like gramps and i just loved being introduced to baby gramps and his whole he's such a he's a really kind man first of all the the thing that really came across to me when i would just talk to him and he loved doing the kids concerts because he'd bring like this robot that he had constructed and and he'd have the kids really involved like he'd have them coming up and touching the robot and he was just totally into the kids and but just reading about his history a little bit about how he was doing this that he had been in this all-metal jug band with artists, the Spoon Man on metal spoons, Billy Holtz on brass washboard, WW3 on metal washtub bass, Johnny Ward, in parentheses, Chubby Jesus on, <laughs> on metal mouth harp, and me on my dad's national and metal kazoo. <laughs> and I, just reading that sentence... I was like, oh my God, I got to know more about and that. That's a, that's a whole, there's a, there's a Russian novel. There. There's a Russian novel. There's a, it's an epic of, <laughs> pardon me, I'm going to have another drink of coffee. <laughs> there oh. is a Russian novel there. You boy. In that sentence. That's good coffee. And that's all he wrote <laughs> that I just was like, oh my God. Uh-huh. I just, uh, and then I had also asked him about, the uh to give me a little bit of a background of his contribution to the album uh which was the old man of the sea and he gave me i was thinking about a different kind of background but he also was saying it was one of my songwriting experiments all three verses in the chorus have a different rhyme scheme which perhaps no one has ever noticed and i was thinking oh man okay I'm gonna start writing about all of these songs, you know, the where they came from and why they were there. Because all of these people, whatever they have experienced in their musical histories at this point, they're at this stage that I was talking about of basically being. We're all in the memoir stage, right? Mm-hmm. Well. I would really like to do the memoirs of all these people. That is much more interesting to me as my connection in with these people who, because I still have questions. And I have more questions now than I ever did in my youth. Yeah. Like I wouldn't have thought to, to even think about the fact that Kat was totally, uh, you know, that Steve wasn't even on that song. Or that that I didn't even think that Jim, the reason why he his submission was a little late to the album project was because he actually felt like, well, I don't want to give a song that I've already done before. I want to do something new. I, he, I, I just thought that was fascinating. And so it's... Anybody who listens to our show probably has some some connection with victory music in some way i don't really think that we have that many people who are listening who've never been involved with victory and those who have been listening 
who didn't are they they have been brought in yeah. by this time yeah. but the reason why it's so fascinating is that and as i have been working on this is this article is how many people brought this all about and and how many people were not necessarily musicians that they had different aspects sort of like when you watch a movie and you see the credits rolling and you're seeing the caterers and the hairdressers and the costume makers and the uh, all the people the the dialect coaches and the all the people who if they were not there the thing would not have succeeded so to have actually been in a very similar endeavor and know how much it takes to to pull it all together and watching the the people who do that it's particularly a wonderful thing to be thinking about during this time where there's so much divisiveness in the political arenas to realize how as a collective how much you can do and how you can't do it if you're only involved in your self-interest you can only do it if the collective is pulling towards a common goal you know that so it's been for me quite a remarkable couple of weeks as i've been writing this article just to immerse myself in the questions in the answers that i've gotten and the joy of thinking about this group of people having done so much in the period of time that the span covers. So so that's what I had to talk about. I told you I'd have something to talk about. Yeah, you did. Yeah. And I think we're going to play some of the music, aren't we? Well, I thought we would play China because we've been talking about it. Right. But I also wanted to play Janie because it is so representative, to my mind, of what I've been feeling uh, about this period. This, um, the only thing that's different about me is I'm older now. You know, there, there's a, that kind of, I don't know, it just has a lot to do with this kind of period of time of memories. And I remember when we were young, when I was listening to this in my 30s, I was really struck by it and thinking how much it meant to me then. Mm-hmm. But with the passage of time, it has even more power and um, potency, I would say, than it did back then. And it's a great sound. And it's well done. Yeah, and, and it's by Johnny Nestor. Johnny Nestor. Johnny so. Nestor, who lives, I believe, up on... Whidbey Island, up in Freeland, up there. That's the last point of contact I had with him. And uh, I don't know his story. I don't know his story either. And he's been one of the ones I've had a hard time finding. But that's why I say the memoirs idea, I want to capture these stories, if only to honor these people. And that... um, that's a, a fine impetus for me to do this. But, uh, but it is also because I love this interconnection of my story with all these people's stories. It, it's like the grander philosophical idea of 
Uh, and, uh, I always like that story about Indra's net that uh, that there's a, a web of experience that connects us all and Indra's net was like there are little bells on every single um, knot hole of the the net and that if you tug at one place it will ring Rings a bunch of bells ring a bunch of bells that are not in that place and and I just I always love that story and I guess I feel very blessed and excited that my life story was able to demonstrate that concept so so well to me
send a song on the breeze to China. Thank you. 